Welcome to the Yeshiva Shalmaila. This is David Lichtenstein. This week we're going to be speaking about were the Chazal scientists. The Gemara, the science that they have, is it real science or is it just the science that was contemporary at that period but today has no relevance? Where did this argument burst into flame the first time? Or at least, shouldn't say the first time. Rabbi Avram ben Arambam already writes, you know, almost a thousand years ago, that the signs of Chazal was the contemporary signs of their period. And he would know his father, the Rambam, wrote seven or eight books of Sfarim on, on medicine. And his sources are Galen. Galen was a, a medicinal expert and philosopher from the year, I think, two or three hundred. Aristotle, the Rambam, doesn't bring Chazal at all in his uh, medicine. In fact, the Marshal, right, he brings as a cherem hakadmainim, not to use the medicine of the Gemara. But outside of medicine, where did this rage? The Pachad Yitzchak, who lived in the early 1700s, interestingly happened during that period. A Dutch scientist by the name of Van Leeuwenhoek was the first one to really, on a commercial basis, actively use the microscope. And what did he discover? That there are, you know, these tiny creatures we hadn't known before. And it magnified 100 times, 200 times. And one of the things he realized is the Gemara brings that lice come from spontaneous generation. That is, they just exist, they burst into existence. They don't come from an egg. And Valuenhoek found the eggs of lice by uh, magnifying them a few hundred times. Based on that, the Pachad Yitzchak said, you're not allowed to kill a louse on Shabbos. The Gemara says in Shabbos, and Shulchan Aruch, and Shin Tezayin, Pachkins, you can't kill them because of spontaneous generation. Pachad Yitzchak writes, that was the science of those times. Today we know that that's not true. He wrote a letter to his Rebbe, Rebbe Huda Briel, and his Rebbe said, no, we don't change anything in Chazal, whether we understand that or not. In other words, it seems to infer that their science is correct. So we have an argument that goes back over 300 years on this. Interestingly, this argument goes on till today. Rebbe Vadius Seth Paskin that you can kill lice on Shabbos. Rabbi Yashu said you can't. When it came to eating worms and fish, which the Gemara also says they come from spontaneous generation, Rabbi Yashu said you can't. The OU, Rav Belsky, Rabbi said you can. So this is a raging my and we're going to try to understand, like, Using a microscope today, we know that indeed they do come from lice. What do you mean when we say that the science of Chazal is correct? We're going to have many guests on this, some really very interesting and lively debate. We're going to have from Eretz Yisrael. Some of these interviews were on our program in the past. We have Ramesha Meiselman, who says everything, all the signs of Chazal is absolute. He wrote a, an 800-page book about this, and he says basically it's all Teresh and if you are, go against, if you you know discount the, the signs of Chazal, you're a Kaifer, basically. You're a Kaifer in Teresh Listen to Rabbi Meiselman. The, on the other hand, the entire includes a lot of other knowledge. As the Ramban says, uh, Shlomo Melech understood the entire Bria through the Torah. The Rambam says Moshe Rabbeinu understood the entire Bria through the Torah. But certain things were understood and certain things were lost. When Chazal speak definitively, they're not stop speaking in an unreliable way. Chazal speak definitively, that's Torah. So we're going to ask Rabbi Meiselman, you know, the Gemara says, Iburei Shal Nachash is seven years. I mean, if you Google it, you're going to see that, you know, an elephant is the creature that has the longest, it's something like two and a half years. I don't have my Google in front of me. And we actually found on Google, is there a creature that does have seven years? It is, but it's like, it's, it's not Iburei Shal Nachash. There is one remote creature that it could be that way, but it's certainly not the norm. We're going to ask Rabbi Meiselman, like if the halacha is that a, the Torah already says that a parhelam davar of tzibur, imagine if the Sanhedrin makes a mistake. So we do not believe like the Catholics that Chazal are infallible. In other words, papal 
infallibility, the fact that the Pope, uh, can never make an error is something that does not come, the Torah says clearly, so we're going to ask Rabbi Meiselman if they never, if we see even the Bezdin Agadol can make an error, why couldn't Chazal make an error on signs? It was two very interesting answers. So he believes that they were actually, when it came to science, it's halacha psuka, they never made a mistake. On the other side, we're going to have Remendel Shafran, who says, Chazal weren't scientists. They were ethicists, they were rabbanim. If you have a runny nose, you don't go to your rav, you go to a doctor. Here's Remendel Shafran. Is it a chesaron the Rambam they thought different? No, that was the uh, science that was on them at that time. And if they thought it didn't get no messiah on it, it's just like how to make a kegel if you know it's better or less. It's so important prat in the godless of Moshe Rabbein or the Tenoim or the Rambam if they thought different. Why would we want to put the hat of science or the hat of a, a physician or a chef for that matter on Yerav? Remendel Shafran strongly disagrees with that. David Cohn sort of takes like a middling route and he says, I'm not sure. Listen to what he says. He says that a lot of what they said were metaphors. He says, that God Sashas, we all agree they're, they're impossible to believe as, uh, as true. They're just, they're examples. They're Mishalim and most of them are Sisrei Torah. Here's Rabbi David Cohn. Firstly, what I'd like to say is that it's, I believe, and this, and this is, I'm not the machadish of this hashkafa, is that the person errs in the, in the understanding of what Chazal is saying. We know in our goddess Chazal that so many stories, so many things are not being presented to us as is. But that Chazal, for, for various reasons, wrote things but often remiss. And we have a fabulous new guest this week, Rav Kahana from Eretz Yisrael, who wrote a sefer about this, about a machlekes, basically between the Chacham Tzvi and Rabbi Yenis and Ibshitz, when a chicken was found without a heart. Is it possible, or are you just to say, even if Adam said it, the Adam are absolutely in error. Reality rules. And we asked Rav Kahana some of the really difficult questions. We said, if and all the Chachma of the world is buried in the Torah. So then why when mass diseases spread, that the Black Plague, didn't the Chachamim open up a Gemara and a Rajba and say, well, here's the vaccine, here's antibiotics, right? Here's penicillin. Or when Xeris Tachtat came, why didn't they roll out a machine gun or rep weapons of mass destruction during the time of the Churban? Or World War II. I mean, if everything says there, why didn't they? And listen to really a very thoughtful and intellectual answer. It was just something Davar Chadash. I thought he answered the question very elegantly. The, the, the rules of Torah are also the rules of are also the rules of science. But but to find it, we need we need to, to catch up both together. So I would give an example for from another an, an, another dimension of Torah. Let, let's say, let's think about about Svore. When, when, when one of the Achonim says an Isvore, is it written in the Torah? Of course it is written in the Torah. Was it said? Can, can, could it be said uh, without the human experience and the understanding of this specific scholar, of this specific uh, Achon? Of course not. So there's something in the human being, in the, in the, in the, in the existence, in, in, the, in, 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 in in, in the development of the human which uncovers something which is hidden in the Torah. And this is an infinity process, to my understanding. This is what Rabbi Nathan Abshitz tried to say also in this field, of, in the field of Torah and, and wisdom and science. 
And then we'll close out with Rabbi Dr. Chaim Presby, a scientist, a current scientist with over 200 patents, ran a big unit of Bell Labs for a decade. And listen to, he's going to just give us a few examples of how through science we could come to a new amuna, a new understanding of the godless of the Rabbi Nishalaylam. So he's just a very heartwarming and, and uh, inspiring 10-minute uh, interview with Rabbi Presby, Rabbi Dr. Presby. So this is uh, interesting, a contemporary debate. Um, I think you'll all come out of it saying, wow, that was really enlightening. Let's go to our riddles of the week. So what does it say? Let me just, I'll kill all of them. So here's the problem. The Rambam writes in the Yisaidi Atayra Lachadalad. He says, if a Navi predicts Puranies and it didn't happen, doesn't mean any, doesn't mean he's a Navi Shekhar. It means Kal Yisrael did Shuva. But here's the Lashon Rambam. Avalim Hiftiach Al Toiva. If he said Rabban Shem could do something good, the Amr Shiyah Kach Vakach. So and so, this wonderful thing will happen. Vloi Boa And he has to be a Biaduashu Navi Shekhar. Why? Shekol Dova Toira Shiyigzer Hakel. Every good thing that Hashem promises. Afilual Tznai, even if it's condition, Ene Chaiser. When Hashem promises he's going to do something good, he always does it. That's how Rambam says, that's how you know the difference between a Navi Emes and a Navi Sheker. Question is like this. Why did Rabbi Nishalom promise to the Dair HaMidbar? I will bring you Teretz Yisrael. So the question is, if Hashem always keeps his word, when it comes to Taiva, like the Rambam writes in Yisraeli Taira, Yud Halachadawad, how could he tell the Dair HaMidbar when he got, when he was enraged by Yicharapi Bohem in the Dair HaEgel, Yechalem, I will destroy them, I will consume them. The the I'll make you. How could he back down? Was Avtach of the Rabbi Shalom. That is riddle number one. And here is riddle number two. And this is a riddle. If you know if we're using it in this parasha, you could use it. 365 days a year, depending on how many times you wash a day. Certainly a few times a day. So this is the thousand day riddle. It says by the uh, Kiyar, Use the Kiyar to do Kiddush Yadayim V'raglayim. What does Rashi say? You know, they would pick up their foot, hold it with their hand, and he would wash it under the uh, the flowing water of the Kiyar. And he brings it from Zvachim. So the question is, Shulchan Aruch says, if you touch your foot, you have to wash your hands, because it's in a makam tame you're touching. So all Kiddush Yadayim V'raglayim of the Kir, the Chari, you were toivel v'sharetz b'yadeh, you're being makadish yadav v'raglav at the same time, which means while you're washing your hands, you're holding on to your foot, which means you should have to wash your hands again. Why don't we learn from here? That a foot is not a davatama if it's washed. Or alternatively, why did they have to wash their hands again by until Sudayim Braglayim by the cure, which we do not find? So this is a Kishmaka riddle. You can use it every day of the year multiple times. I look forward to your answers. At the end of this week's program, I will play my response to the riddle we asked two weeks ago. We asked about the Oren. If we learn Hitsa from the Oren, how could there be a klal of Chainaisiasatsmai? The Chayr is problematic. The Oren was not only Naisias Atzmai, it was also Naisias Naisav. So you see something that's Naisias Atzmai, there is a Din Haitzah. So how could we say Misfara that Chay Naisias Atzmai? That will be at the end of this week's program. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America our number is 732-806-8700. In England it's 44, like that's the country code, 33 011 
in Eretz Yisrael. It's uh, 02-372-0304. Let's go to our guests. Joining us from Eretz Yisrael is Rav Kahana. He wrote a book called Atarnagolet Beli Lev. It's basically about a, a, a imagine he'll fill us in on it. It's the machloikis that it's brought down in the uh, in Yeridea. Can a chicken live without a heart? Whereas we look at science, how do we look at how does how do Chazal look at this? And it was a machloikis between the crazy Uplesi and the Chacham Tzvi. So I would say he's an expert on the science of the Achreinim during those eras. And I couldn't find anybody else who's actually written about this. So we went to Eretz Yisrael to find somebody. Welcome, Rav Kahana. <laughs> Hello. Shalom Aleichem. So Rav Kahana, tell us, were the Achreinim, were the Chacham Tzvi, the Kreisi Uplesi, these are the biggest of the Achreinim, were they scientists or were they, you know, Lamdanim, were they Paiskim? How would you... Um, our, the, 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 those great achronim like Chacham Tzvi and the Yavetz and the Rabbi Yonatan Eibschitz were not scientists. They didn't they didn't make expert work in in laboratories and so forth. On the one hand, on the other hand, they all read the 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 most updated science of the time. And when we talk about Rabbi Yonatan Eibschitz, the Kreti of Lacy, for example, who lived in the in the 18th century. In the, he already read Kepler and uh, and Newton and other pa- other parts of, of of modern science. He delved into it, delved into it to understand to understand it. On, on one on one place, he wrote something which is very common today, where he wrote he, that had Torah in the Torah is a source for all the, all wisdoms. But the, on the one hand, but on the other hand, for this, the Torah also needs is a knowledge in, in every chokhmah, in every wisdom. So, so this is even I I try to I try to say in my my books is even this even this well known phrase was influenced by the by by uh, by, by by the new findings of the 17th century, namely. Namely, the circulation of the blood by by William Harvey, because Rabbi Nathan Abschitz was the first, to my opinion, to to make this this specific this specific description that that Torah goes to the world and gives the chokhmot, the wisdom stores to the world, but the the chokhmot should go back to the Torah and enrich it from inside. So this what is something. What does this, that mean? Okay. Because if the Torah is the source of all the chokhmot. Why does yeah. it need Ahmed to come back to it? Explain that. Ah, because Torah is not in Torah in, in, in the Achronim sense of, of, of Torah is not a, a simple, stable, um, well-known uh, um, material of sources which we can put in our in, in our in, in the library or in the Bes Midrash and uh, and say this is the Torah. No, the Torah is 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 the, the, the whole matter. Of, uh, of 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 Ratzon Hashem of 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 what is hidden in the sources and 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 this is something usually this is 
usually people put the question between did Chazal know or didn't Chazal know, which is to my understanding is very, very, is, is too elementary and too, and very surface. The question is not about knowing or knowing or not knowing. The question is about what is, what is the, the death of the Torah? Now, when, when, when Rabbi Yonatan Avshit says that, that, that phrase about this, this circulation, this, this wisdom circulation, let's, let's phrase it this way, uh, of Torah and science, you want to say that, 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 that Torah and science faced very different, um, very different processes in the, in, the, in, in, the, in the modern era. Uh, the Torah declined declined since since the ancient era and today we have only shiurei chokhmot only only leftovers of the great wisdom of the torah we read the texts but we do not understand the whole the the, the whole complexity and the whole depth of torah that's on one hand on the other hand science as rabbi Yonatan puts it very very clearly had made huge steps further huge steps what we name today as scientific revolution so on one hand, the Torah is the source for everything. Ratzon Hashem and and the wisdom uh, hidden and 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 uh, and uh, and hidden and encrypted in the Torah. On the other hand, the Torah went down and down till this very day, while while science made huge steps, huge steps forward. For that reason. We should. To, that's what Rabbi Nachman says on 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 the, on the opening of the 18th century. For for that reason, today we should we should learn the Torah. We should be very know the Torah very well. Then we should make. He calls it chidud asechel. We should delve into each one of the chokhmot, and then we can go back to the Torah and and enrich it. It's, and this this specific phrase was was named was word by word was adapted. By Chida was adapted by Gaon Mivilna was adapted by Khatam Sofer. Maybe the maybe the most free important Chronim of the 19th century. All took it from, uh, to my opinion, all to, uh, all of them took it from Rabbi Yonatan Ivshitz, uh, writing from this specific uh, from this specific notion. Rabbi Yonatan Ivshitz himself even wrote, even devoted. He wrote Creative Flaty, but he also devoted uh, devoted a, a Hebrew. He devoted his his expensive learning time for for writing on chokhmot, for writing on wisdoms. He wrote Sefer Merav, which is a specific, which is a special book about about the great wisdoms of Torah, as he knew from reading a huge material, a huge, a huge, a huge wide field of of, of wisdoms in the 70th, 80th centuries. So when he writes that a Torah, he makol kol hachachmot, right? So does that mean theoretically, like Abaya and Rava would have been able to figure out or could have discovered antibiotics in the Torah? Like, what does that mean to you? Um, I'm not. I, I, I'm not sure uh, to be. I'm, I try to be very accurate and, and to know what I know and what we don't know. This is not so simple to understand what what Rabbi Nachman meant in this phrase. But I think I think what he tried to say is not that Abaya and Rava. Um, used all wisdom. I think what he tries to say that 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 Dvar uh, Hashem, the way in which the infinite the infinite existence of, of, of God's speech and God's will in every which is which is clearly hidden in every word of the Torah, even behind, even more. You know, just maybe I, maybe maybe I'll, I'll add it for 
for another well-known uh, phrase of Rabbi Yonatan Amshitz. Rabbi Yonatan Amshitz said, said on Shulchan Orech, in Ramah, he said, Ruach Hashem diber bam liot l'shonam mechuvan l'aloche bli kavanas ha-koisev. Saying, when Rabbi Yonatan, even when in the 16th century, uh, Rabbi Yosef Karo and, and Remo, uh, they, they are awarding the Aloches in, in, in each part of the Shulchan Aruch. The, this, this is part of, of Ruach HaKodesh, which means even behind their understanding. This is what he says about about, about 60th century Achoroinim. To say, to say the speech of Hashem, the death of, of, of Dvar Hashem, is much, it's much deeper even than the, the sense of Geone Yolam, who says the wording. So if I, if I try to, to catch it all together, I would say that when, uh, that when he says Torah Mekor Chochmot, it doesn't mean necessarily that Abayin and Rava knew everything which, uh, which was founded by Kepler or by Newton. I think what he, I think what he tries to say is that the essence of Hashem's, Hashem's words, which are hidden in every, every part of the Torah, even behind the understanding of the human, of, of the scholars, of, of Torah scholars, of, of Dole Oilam, just by Hashem's will, is, is, is infinite. And for this reason, everything is there. This is the source for everything. So when you say it's the source, I want to come back to my question. Could theoretically Abai and Rava had a cure to disease? Could they said, we're going to find antibiotics in the Torah? Because everything is in the Torah. Uh, could have they, when enemies were attacking, could have they gone into the Torah and found how to make a machine gun or a Kalashnikov? Like, what does that mean? If Kalachachmot, like, what does that mean? I don't. I don't. I don't think. So. What does that mean? If just just to just to to, to do it step by step by Rabbi Nathan Eibshitz's words, I don't think that's what he means because he says Kalachachmot klulot b'Torah, but but a Torah needs a Kalachachmot. So if you want to make a, a machine gun, you need the chokhmot of, 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 uh, of physics. And this will be... So, so if physics isn't in there, what does it mean, kol It means, to my understanding, it means kol hachachmot kulim batura, that they are all, all hidden inside. Let's, let's take it to another field. Let's take it to so the somebody, field. Yes, if somebody really knew the hidden secrets of the Torah, could they yes. then... And make a machine gun from the Torah? Absolutely. To my understanding of Rabbi Yonatan it's absolutely yes. But this is not by this is not by happen that but if you but the way to know the secrets of the Torah is to learn science. This, this is what he tries to say. Rabbi Yonatan steps on a very, very uh, on a very on, on a very specific moment when, when he talks about this kind of scientific religion, I would say, so that everything is, is that, that the, the rules of the Torah are also the rules of, are also the rules of science, but, but to find it, we need, we need to, to catch up both together. So I would give an example for, from another, an, an, another dimension of Torah. Let, let's, say, let's think about, about Svore. When, when, when one of the Achonim says any Svore, is it written in the Torah? Of course it is written in the Torah. Was it said can, can, could it be said uh, without the human experience and the understanding of this specific scholar, of this specific uh, Achron? Of course not. So there is something in the human being, in the, in the, in the, in the existence, in, in, the, in, 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 
in, in the development of the human which uncovers something which is hidden in the Torah. And this is an infinity process, to my understanding. This is what Rabbi Natan Abshitz tried to say also in this field, of, in the field of Torah and, and wisdom or, and science. You're saying just like a svara that you say is hidden in the Torah, called Masha Talmud Vasik Asa Lechadesh, was given in Torah Shabal Peh, well, really in Torah Shabal Peh, not in Torah Shabal Sav. You're saying science is also hidden in Torah Shabal Peh, but you need you need Achzil uh, Ben Kinaz to take it out of with Drush to take it out of the Torah. You need the human, the human wisdom to take it out of the Torah. And if, if, no. in, if in the field of Sevore, the way to get to, get to a good Sevore is, is, to, is, to, is, to, is to, to enrich yourself in, 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 in Rishonim and Achronim. So in, 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 the, in, in question of science, the, the, real, the, 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 way to, the way to unfold those issues is to delve into contemporary science. This is what Rabbi Nathan Avshis tried to but say. I- well, if it's hidden there, why couldn't we try to leapfrog ahead of contemporary science since it's already there? I mean, and 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 take it out like centuries in advance. I think, the, as I tried to, to put it, I think it's a more general question about the Torah, Torah and time. This is not a question only about Torah and science. This is a question about Torah and time. If everything is already known, if so for what what is the, the importance of history? What is the importance of time? What is the importance of, of contemporary human being just to try to do something which was already done? So to my understanding, the death of the, of, of, of the Achronim at, at this point is to say, is to say, no, there's something which couldn't be uncovered till this very day. This is something in the, in the human process, in the human process of wisdom, in the human process of of, of Svore in the human process of, of human existence, which, which is important and, the, and which is unique and, impo- and, and important for, the, for, for, the, for unco- uncovering once again the Torah. Khatam Sofer writes it in many, many places about, about, about the importance of, about the, the, um, the importance of Chidush, of contemporary Chidush, while while this is the, the way in which Kodesh Bochu expressed himself in an infinite way. If something, if Torah was, was closed, if Torah, if someone could know everything in the days of Tanaim or Amoraim and, and, and understand it to its end, there was no importance for, for us, for Achroinim, for, for Ktanim Shebaktanim, for our learning of the Torah. And Khatam Sofer says again and again, this is the importance of, of each generation. The, infin- the infinite of Kodosh Baruch the infinite of the Torah, means each of us in every given time has a specific and unique importance of unfolding one more part of the Torah, which was not uncovered till this very day. So this is the way I, w- I would put it, not as a question only of science and Torah, but it's a question of Torah and time, Torah and creation, Torah and history. Okay, could you share with us the debate between, your understanding of the debate between the Chacham Tzvi and the Crazy Uplacy about the Tarnagoylos Belilev? Thank you. Wow, this is, this is one of the sugi. Okay, I wrote a whole book about this sugya. Okay, there was in, in, in Hamburg, Altona, uh, 1771, chicken was 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 uh, was preferred for for eating, and uh, and then discovered 
um, the one who, the, the, the maid who put it into to the kitchen, uh, so that this chicken has no heart. And then the Sheila came before many, many, before Chacham Tzvi was the rabbi of, 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 of Gimel Kehilos, of, of Hamburg, and later to other scholars. Um, what, 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 what is about this? What, what is about this, uh, this chicken? Can it be eaten? And Chacham Tzvi made this very, very surprising halokhe, sack, which says, this, uh, this heartless chicken is kosher, and I would eat from this from its uh, from its flesh from its basal if if I if I could. Uh, this was very very upsetting for many many other choinim because you know even even for the for the for the the minor affections, uh, a chicken can be taref. So how can it be kosher? But Chacham Tzvi on this on this on this occasion, Chacham Tzvi highlighted something which was very important to his view. About 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 science and about about the science in the Torah it says no nothing can live without a heart. This is malacha TV. This is this is the way our body works. This is also the divine way in which the the whole world works. And he brings out more nevuchim about a oilam about a, a, a about lev. Ha'olam, ha'olam, ha'olam ishechad from Moran Vuchim Gimelaim base, and he also brings uh, for this for this uh, purpose. He also brings the Zohar Pinchas about Lev Bayvarim, Zohar and Kuzari. So, so he says, so so nothing in the world, in the whole entire world, in the in the natural level of creation, in the divine level of creation, in the Zohar, in the science, nothing can 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 live without a heart. It means. This chicken had a heart. Even if Shnei Edim would come and say there was no heart, there was a heart, and the Edim are Sheker, and Malach TV is MS. This is something, this is the, the uh, it was really the, 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 um, the peak of, 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 of scientific rabbinic thought. This trust in Malach TV, in the way in which it is expressed in Moren in the Zohar, in the Gemore. So this is the two words about Chacham Tzvi's uh, attitude. The Rabbi Natan on a certain level, is very, is very similar. It's very similar to, to, to Rabbi Chacham, to, to Chacham Tzvi on his trust of the, of the, of, on science and on the science on the Torah. But he has a very, very important comment. He says, this is all, this is all right. But can the heart, can another organ become a heart in a specific in a specific issue, in a specific uh, chicken, can it happen? And he brings a, a scientific svore uh, that this that this odd odd thing might occur. That in this chicken maybe she had no heart, but other organ took took the heart's place. He he brings his shaila chachansvi. Sends, sends, sends a shaliach to the University of Halle, the Protestant University of Halle, with this question to the doctors to, to, to hear what do they think about his sovereign in science, about, 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 uh, about, about the, the, the way the heart functions and the way it can be replaced. This is something very, very you know, Rabbi Yonatan Ashitz is considered for, for, for good reasons as, as huge Chacham scholar who also saw a lot about, about the future. He was the first to, he was he was the first Torah scholar and one of the first in the world at all to say to, to talk about about the ability of the man to reach the the moon 
he was also uh, the first to, to, to talk about Kepler's law of movement. Uh, many, many issues. He really delved into it. So also on this, on, on this issue, he, he talked about, actually about, about a mechanic, a, a kind of a, of a, of a semi-mechanic heart, right? The way a heart can be replaced in another organ, which is very, very interesting for that. And, and, and for this reason, he, he said we could not simply trust the 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 cashout of 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 this kind of of artless uh, of artless uh, of of artless chicken uh, i think this is on on towards the, the, the two uh, those uh, um, attitudes of hakam tsvi and rabionatayshits toward towards the artless chicken and how do you see the makhlaikis what are they arguing about the 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 between Chacham Tzvi and 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 Rabbi Yonatan Abshitz is not crucial at this at this point. This is a more minor machloket about about the the Rabbi Sevore about 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 replacing about replacing the heart. I think the real machloket, which should be more uh, sensitive, uh, should should the, the real machloket here. Was between Chacham Tzvi and Rabbi Yonatan Aivsh and Rabbi Yaakov Emden, his son, and many many people could not pay attention because 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 Rabbi Yaakov Emden, of course, he, he honors his, his father and, and say, he, he, he looked upon him as the greatest achron uh, at the world in the world. On one hand, on the other hand, if you read it carefully, what he what he wrote in the same question, you see, he says we can give kashrut to, to this kind of of chicken. Only if we can make it Leah. This is also what Rabbi David Oppenheim suggested one, one, uh, one generation uh, prior. If we make it Leah, if we have any alachic Leah that she couldn't see the, 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 the heart because the cat ate, this, the, ate the heart, or the, 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 the cat who was underneath uh, catched it. But we cannot, and this is the, 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 the crucial point, what Yavet says, but we cannot trust science, poor science against Shnei Eidim. At this point, he's in a great machloket with his father, which is a crucial machloket also about Torah and science. Because Chacham Tzvi had this kind of, of unification. I, he, Chacham Tzvi said in his power of, of Achron, I can bring together science, Zohar, Mora Nevuchim, and the Gemorah. And they all work together. If, in, if I bring it all together, I will say, Mala Khatibi says that this chicken has a heart, even if Shnei Eidim would say the opposite. I can trust Mala Khatibi. I can trust nature. J- j- just, to, just to mention that nature, Teva, was a relatively new word in Hebrew language. Because Teva, to say Teva about nature, this is, this is a word <laughs> which was created in the modern era. Right? Teva. Mala Khatibi. So this is this is his trust of science, which comes together there with every other part of the Torah. They all, all play together. On, on the other hand, Rabbi, Rabbi Yaakov Emden says very clear, clearly: even we cannot trust the science against Adim. We cannot trust the science against what he considered as Torah, because his conception of Torah is different. Rabbi Kahana, thank you. You really shared with us some very deep thoughts. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you, David. I, I, I have a good to talk with you. Thank you so much. From B'nai Brak, we have a very remendal Shafran. They, they were not science. They used the science that was 
was the uh, was the in that time. They were not sciences. That was not their specialty. Science was not the thing. There's no mysterious in science. Uh, and we have to know how to look at science. The kudas from from such a shy where it comes from that whoever doesn't know science is felt the If I would say my rabbits knows how to make a, 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 a kegel, how you say kegel in English, I don't know, a better kugel, than Moshe yeah. Rabbeinu. A kugel. My rabbits knows how to make a kegel better than Moshe Rabbeinu. <laughs> uh, is that a zilzul in Moshe Rabbeinu? Would that, make, <laughs> would that, would that be a kfira, you're asking? Would that be a kfira to would, say would that, that you make a kugel? In the chesoran, how to look at Moshe Rabbeinu? I'm not machshu Moshe Rabbeinu good enough if I say my wife makes a better kegel than him, that he could make. Right. Is it a chesoran to say that why the chesoran did it in a window? I think everybody will say it's not a chesoran. Why? Because making kegel is not such a big yesod in the Messiah's Torah and in the Voices Hashem. That someone that doesn't know how to make eagle is also not, not, it's, not a, it's not a chesoron in the men. Now, a chesoron in, in ideas and science, in, in astronomia, in any things of science, if we look at science as so important that if somebody doesn't know something in science, felt to have this, then uh, we're having a problem here. No, the whole, the whole gisha is wrong. Looking at science, uh, Mada and Chochme, the chesoron, if somebody doesn't know Chochme, means it doesn't interest him. Whatever was known in his time, and he doesn't know, he doesn't, it doesn't interest him in Gansom. Then Seltum Epson in the Shifa to know Chachma. But if he knows what's going on at that time, and what they, what's going on at that time, it's not Chachma if he knew wrong. If he thought right. that there's, there's a Galgal that turns the sun, what's the difference if there's a Galgal that turns the sun or doesn't turn the sun? If there's no Messiah in the Torah on it, so the Galgal does turn the sun. All the Chachma is wrong with the sun and the Yerevan and everything is Mechubat to some Galgal, a big, big round wheel. That's Shakuf, that's transparent. And uh, this big agal is turning, and it turns the whole thing. Is it a chesaron and the Rambam that he thought different? No, that was the uh, science that was on them at that time. And if the Torah didn't get no messiah, it's just like how to make a kegel if he knows better or less. It's no important prat in the Gadlus of Moshe Rabbein or the Tenoim or the Rambam if they thought different. We know that in any number of cases, science, current science, contemporary science does not agree with what Chazal opine, which way the sun rotates, etc., etc. Well, should we, do we have to try to find a way to explain everything with Chazal and sort of say that no, they are in conjunction with science? Or is it not the job of, was it not the job of Chazal to be scientists? They were moralists, they were halachists, they were those who gave the Torah Messinai. They weren't scientists, they weren't scientists, they weren't chefs, they weren't biologists, they weren't uh, pediatricians, they were Chazal. And I ask you more than that, if you have a Rav, a Dain, a Rebbe, do you think less of your Rebbe because he doesn't know astrophysics? or he doesn't know biology, do you want to go to your Rav or your Rebbe to ask him, what's the matter with your bunion? Is that the, would you think less of your Rebbe if he didn't? So do we have any need to explain science? Because how do we say they weren't scientists? They were great Rabbanim. They were Gainim. They were moralists. They were philosophers. They were Naveen. But they weren't scientists. Nor do we want them to be scientists. Let's hear what the Rabbanim have to say about this. Here's a Gainer of David Cohn. I would certainly like to comment to this at length because I just finished a cipher which comes to combat this impression that the writer of the letter has. 
The name of the Sefer is Hatorah of Chesonius, which stems from a kuntras that was in a Sefer of mine called Avram Yogel Yitzchak Firstly, what I'd like to say is that it's, I believe, and this, and this is, I'm not the Mechadish of this Hashkofa, is that the person errs in the, in the understanding of what Chazal is saying. We know in Agadah's Chazal that so many stories, so many things, are not being presented to us as is, but that Chazal, for, for various reasons, wrote things often remes. That's one. So that you don't take, when Chazal says certain numbers, so many places the morale says that every number has a special significance. It sounds like such wild gusmois to say certain numbers, but Chazal are not giving us the number that we should understand that, that this is the exact number. Incidentally, this, what I'm saying right now, is challenged because there are other G'daylim that disagreed with this interpretation and they say no. If it says in Chazal, it's not a guzma. Chazal mean it. But I'm just presenting a hashkafa so that that everyone agrees with, like the Agadah the Rabba Baba Chonem Basra. There are things that they wrote Beremis. Remus, now, I maintain, and this is not my chidush, that there's a concept, and we find it in the Gemara in a few places, where he said, how did he know that? The Gemara says he knew it because sowed Hashem Lireyev. Rav was able to discern 50 different types of blood. And, he, and 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 they they couldn't understand where Rava knew it. There are many many places where you have things, and that they're based on. He called them sodine, sodine. How do you know it? Sodine, sod Hashem Lireyev. That's A. B. When Chazal are telling us certain in quotes scientific facts, they don't mean science as we say the word science. Halacha is not based on scientific facts. Halacha is based on the five chushim. We're not talking an agada now. Halacha is based on what a person perceives with the five senses. Anything above that, anything below that, which we would term as different olamos, has nothing to do with science. So that, uh, let me explain. There is a strong argument that halacha is based on the, the concept before, right, spontaneous generation. So it could very, very well be that it could very well be that spontaneous generation is not true. Pasteur disproved it, albeit I understand that there's some very reputable scientists that don't agree with the with with Pasteurian. The doctrine which they would say, but halacha is limited not to the reality of this of the world, the way it actually exists that we know with our chachma. Notice the perception of our chachma is a different world of perception. Halacha is based on our perception, limited to the five senses, and limited to the five senses, there is spontaneous generation. I'll give you an example. If you see in a gian Sefer Torah only through a magnifying glass the Sefer Torah is kosher. If you see if you see scale uh, scales on a fish only with a microscope it's not a kosher fish. 
Why is that so? Because we're not interested if it has if it has scales. We're interested if it has discernible scales based on the five senses. That's halacha. Everything above and below that is not within the realm of how halacha sees it. Halacha sees the sun coming from here and going to there. So it's uva shemesh v'zarech hashemesh. It's the way our five senses perceive it, not the way chachma per se perceives it, but the way the five senses perceive it. That's what halacha is based on. So that takes away a lot of the kashas that these people have. The same thing with the bugs in the water. If with a microscope, we always see all kinds of things swimming around in water, in the purest of water, that doesn't make the water usher. Why? Because you can't see the bugs with your naked eye. That's a halacha. The question is, how much of the bug do you have to see? Do you have to see the shape of the bug from the rajbez mashma? No. If you see a moving dot, that's called I see the bug. You don't have to see the shape of the bug, but but I have to see it. And if I can't see it unless I use a microscope, in halacha, it's not a bug. The scientists will say, but don't you see it? Look in the microscope. I say, I see it with the microscope. This water is kosher. So that takes away a lot of the of the questions that we have. And so then the I must tell you that there is a plethora of things that are in Chazal that scientists just learned 60, 70 years ago that the Chazal knew it, and it's clear as day. The, the whole thing, that the Maskele made fun of because they didn't understand it. But 60, 70 years ago, science, all of a sudden, because of they were able to see the X and Y chromosome, came up with this great chidush, which the Torah said. We know that one can't give birth without conception. means something else. doesn't mean if she conceives. means if she's mazras. And I don't want to go into the particular, I've published this, but it's something that science didn't know till 65 years ago. Do you know, Gutmacher has in a book that he wrote in the 30s, that science didn't know till about 1860 that the child is really a a combination of of the father and the mother that whatever each one contributes is a is the total child and then science originally some scientists maintained it's all the matter of the mother but the father is the fertilizer and others held just the opposite it's like you put a twig into into soil and the mother is the soil science big deal thought that and Chazal knew the mother neither what the father contributes what the mother contributes there are so many things that we have in the Torah that's cash on science. So it's either Soda Shemli Reyev, one answer, or, or maybe some of them just because of their perception. I don't know. Uh, they didn't, uh, I don't think they had certain instruments that we don't have. I must tell you, Lahavdil, I remember reading in a scientific journal that they found an instrument from Greece, which is tantamount to saying that the Greeks had the atomic bomb. That's how it was, they were developed. But of course, once there was the French Revolution and they put 
lay down the knowledge of their antecedents, so they play down everyone's knowledge, even Chachmas Yivonis, which is very appropriate because it's Hanukkah now, but this was a beetle of everything that took place before. So there is that attitude of being mevatel what with those that came before what they knew. But certainly, because thanks to the Maskil and thanks to the Yiddish Apikosim and thanks to Bechlal Saini Yisrael, of course they did whatever they could to undermine the Chachma of of of, of, of the of the B'nai Torah of Tanoim Amarim and, and the Torah itself. So that's that's my presentation for the time being. Go ahead, please. So no, so 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 you're saying many of this, the riots that they weren't are obviously because they're talking in metaphor. But at the end of the day, the question is: Were they signed? Is their science absolute or not? What would the Rav's opinion be? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I I believe that there is no way that we can say, even in a scientific fact, that they were wrong, because as far as halacha was concerned, their science, as far as halacha is concerned, meant how this thing is discernible by the five chushim. That's one mahalach. And it was any, any given thing that you're ready to make fun of because of the science that we know, you can't, because you don't know whether the person was speaking by Finremis or, 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 which we know a great deal of our God is just that. Okay. So there is no way that we could laugh at them, that's for sure. What We're not sure what are they presenting here. In the in the story of Rabbi Baba Chana, are they presenting reality? I don't think anyone learns like that. Of all G'dayli Yisrael that interpret Rabbi Baba Chana. That's yes. my answer. The answer is you can't refute it because it could have been said with a totally different approach. There's no way to refute this. We don't know. There even could have been those that though, knew it with Soda Shemli Chayef, and there were those that didn't even mean to present the world to you. They're presenting something else. Even though Rabbi Hudanasi said, Venirin Devreyenu, so he, he seemed to be of the opinion that they could know signs better. That could be. That could be, yes. Not science in general. This particular thing. In fact, those who want to uh, 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 to interpret that it's only Nirin that way, but it's not really Alibadamus. But again, is this presentation agadic or is presentation halachic? What is the kavana here? We don't know many a time. We have the honor of having with us on the phone Harav Hagoyen, Harav Maisha Meiselman, who's Rosh Hashiva of Tyrus Maisha, who is a, a nephew of the Goyen, Rabbi Yashiber, one of the biggest lamdim who America will ever see, and is also uniquely qualified to speak about this topic because he's perhaps the only Rosh Hashiva in the world who is also graduated Harvard and MIT, two of the most uh, difficult to qualify schools to get into in the United States. Welcome, Rav Meiselman. Shalom Aleichem. Maybe the Rosh Hashiva could tell us what was Rabbi Yashiber's opinion about the balance between science and, and Torah, science and halacha. He was the ish halacha. How did he look at when there seemed to be the possibility of a contradiction between the two, such as the case of you have in Shulchan Aruch, Lagabe Lice? What was his opinion, science and halacha? How did he balance the two? Um, in my book on the topic of lice, it was um, the way he viewed it. He um, said, if Chazal say it, we have to understand exactly what Chazal means. All the Gemara says, it ain't a purr of a rava. 
and first of all, and whether the Gemara is talking about. And he said he's not sure exactly what the Gemara means by the words Paravarava. If he had a resolution, he had a resolution. When he didn't have a resolution, and never Chasver Shalom never ever said that Chazal were wrong. Specifically, I discuss his comments on life in in a footnote in my book. So when and that's one instance. His attitude were when Chazal talked, so that's Teresh about Pet, Teresh about Pesach and Shbaruch, and that and we accept that the way it is. And we just like we don't always understand everything in every and every Abay Varava, we don't understand everything in all aspects of Shas. But Chazal Shalom, he never ever said that Chazal made a mistake. He never, ever said that Chazal made a mistake. He couldn't have said that. No serious time of Chazal can say that. Okay, so let me ask you, and these are, these are issues that you discuss in your Sefer, and I would just like to discuss them because a lot of the Olam doesn't know it. But like the Gemara, the famous Gemara in Psachem and Avtzadik Be- Dalet, where they had a, a debate between, uh, I guess it was Ptolemy's Olam uh, and, and, and Chazal. Yeah. I discussed that at length in my book. Right. So as, um, first of all... No, I'd just like to give a little bit of a preface, because the Eulah the, the okay. may not know. So, so it says, what happens to the sun at night? There was a debate. So Chachmi Yisrael said that, that they said at night it goes sort of... I'm not sure exactly what it is, on top of the firmament, and the Chachmi Musa'ilam would say, in the day it goes on bottom of the firmament, and it goes on top of the, the earth, and bottom of the earth. I mean, how would, neither of which seem to be applicable today. So how would, it seems that they, and they were moidits, as the Gemara says, venirin divreya me divreinu. So Chazal were moida, that the Musa'ilam, at the time, they believed that the scientists of Ptolemy got it correct, and that they were incorrect. Would, would that be a, a, a steer to the that Chazal were knowledgeable in science. Let's first make two points. Point number one: the Machlekes was when Chachmi Yisrael and Chachmi Umasol. Who these Chachmi Yisrael are is not at all clear. Number one: the it could be they were Jewish astronomers against the Goyish astronomers. Because Rebbe happened to have made a comment there. But if you compare the Gemara Sochem to the Gemara Becheris, which is a very good thing to do. And Rabbi Yaakov Briel, the um, one of the daily of Italy in the 16th century, points this out. He says the Gemara Becheris is when talks about the machlekes between the Chachmei Atuna and Rabbi Yeshua and Hananya. Rabbi Yeshua and Hananya, when the Roman Emperor said, after all, the Chachmei Atuna, the wise men of Athens, are very smart, and they said this one Ibor the gestation period of an office is four years. So Rabbi Shubha Hanani just says, listen, our Chachma comes from the third, it's much greater than theirs. And therefore there's not even a debate, there's nothing to talk about. And that's it. When Chazal were talking about something they knew from the Torah, there wasn't a place to debate. If there was a debate going on, that means, first of all, wherever these Chachmei Umasolam, whoever these Chachmei Yisrael were, we don't know who they were, that means it wasn't something coming from Torah. And Rebbe says nearer it would seem. As obviously Rebbe had no material on the topic. He would he was evaluating and my focus between two groups of astronomers, and without any mystery, he says it would seem. That's if you take the Gemara as the way you describe it. Most um, achronim, uh, that early achronim, for instance, the Rabbi Yaakov Biel, 
who is the Rebbe of the Pachad Yitzchak. He understood the Gemara to be talking about something totally different, whether the world, the, the Chachmah Yisrael thought the world was um, heliocentric, and Chachmah Yisrael thought it was geocentric, and Chachmah Yisrael never should give in, because now we know it's heliocentric. The Ramah has a whole different interpretation of the Gemara, and there are many interpretations of the Gemara, but even if we'll take the simple interpretation of the Gemara, as you presented it, it's a machlekes between Jewish astronomers and Goyish astronomers, and without any Messiah, and Rebbe just says Nirin would seem that this is the way it is. He also had no Messiah. When Chazal spoke from the point of view of Havana Satira, like the Gemara and Becheris, they stuck definitively, they said that's the way it is, and since it came from the Havana of the Teresh it had a represented them absolute truth. So, Rashiva, that where the sun, how the sun goes at night, where it travels in the morning, it seems to be like one of the more simple facts of science. So, if Chazal didn't struggle with such a simple fact, like where does the sun go at night? That's on the assumption that that's the Pshat in the right, Gemara. On that assumption. On that assumption, Rabbi Yaakov Riel said that's not. The Ramos said that's not. The Maral said that's not. I can give you a list of 20. I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, but, but who, if it is. A list of 20 early Akhrenim who said that that's not what the Gemara is talking about. But let's assume it is. Chazal, when they spoke in definitive ways, reflecting their Havonus Hatayra, they spoke in a definitive way. If they didn't have a Messer, they didn't have a Messer. Even on something so so simplistic. That you yeah. may think it's simply, because listen, it became a major issue with Galileo and Copernicus in the world today. Chazal may not have been specifically bothered by it. They needed certain facts in order to make certain halachas. As the Rambam points out in Moronavuchim a number of times, the Torah encompasses all knowledge. Because of the Golas, much knowledge was lost. Chazal had to make sure that that knowledge which is necessary for halacha was kept. And that was their prime concern. The, on the other hand, the entire includes a lot of other knowledge. As the Ramban says, uh, Shlomo Melech understood the entire Bria through the Torah. The Rambam says Moshe Rabbeinu understood the entire Bria through the Torah. But certain things were understood and certain things were lost. When Chazal speak definitively, they're not stop speaking in an unreliable way. Chazal speak definitively, that's Torah. Let me ask you a question uh, that you have in the beginning of Ayikra, or you, you have in the Hurrius, you have Prokim Shleimim about Bezdin Shahira, Bezdin Agadol that made a mistake. Hiru Bezdin, Lava, Lechas. Yeah, yeah, I mean, right? so, Bezdin so, Agadol has the right to say Bezdin Agadol made a mistake. So my point the rest is. The of us don't have. But my, but, and there's a difference. But, but, but let me just finish the question. If, if a Bezdin could make a mistake on something as Halacha, Nasi Kasha Sechta, or a Bet, so if they could make a mistake, they could make a mistake. On, on Yuvamis, why can't they make a mistake on an animal? Because if when Ravina Ravashi put into the Gemara the definitive, they put in a definitive statement of Teresh Abalpeh. The Sanhedrin could have made a mistake, but when there's a machlekes between Abai and Rav, Yerushalomi Das, Heavy Yerushalom, Heavy and then the Gemara says, Yufta to Rav, to Yufta. That's definitive. We don't say, well, maybe the Gemara made a mistake. No. 
when Ravina Ravashi gave us a definitive version of Tereshavopeh, that was definitive. We can't, we don't, when we have the Gemara says Hilchasa, we don't say, well, maybe they made a mistake. There's a Gemara in Hurry says they made a mistake. There's a, the Parsha in, uh, in the beginning of Ayatris says we made a mistake. They gave us the definitive version of Tereshavopeh. So you're saying the Bezdin would, but in the case where Ravina and Ravashi sort Rashi of... Ravashi gave the Maskana of everything. That has That is the definitive version of Teresh And if the Gemara says Hilkel, so we have no right to say, well, you know, maybe they made a mistake. So is is is, is talking about, let's say, scientific matters have the same Chaymer of Hilchasa of Yishalai and not? If Chazal gave a definitive statement, it reflects it reflects their Havana of Tereshavopeh. The Rajma is the only one who says that in medical advice, it represents their understanding of the world, not through Torah. That's the, there's a Chuvus Rajma that says that. Because there, the Torah is either knowledge or practical advice. The only one who says that any part of the statements of Chazal do not reflect Tereshavopeh as a Chuvus about medical advice. Otherwise, when Chazal talk, that reflects Tereshavopeh. Okay, Ramazwan, can I ask you, and in, in your in your sefer you address this, the Gemara says, and the Medrash Rabbah in, 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 in Bresha say, that Rabbi Yeshua said that a nochash, a snake, is pregnant a for nochash, seven... A nochash, don't say snake. A nochash, a nochash is pregnant for... A specific for, type of reptile. Is pregnant for seven years, and... Man Ebor is seven years, which this our school translates as pregnant, yes. And a Kelev is for 50, 50 days. 50 days. And, and today, and I know you addressed this, but I'd like to alumte, and because many people struggle with this, how does that reconcile itself with what we know, that a snake is not pregnant for, for seven years? Okay, it's not, now, you have to remember, first of all, that Rabbi ben Hananya, who, who said that first there was a specific experiment done by a Roman philosopher who saw that happen. So he was talking about a specific event that happened. So we're talking about just not Rabbi Shua ben Hananya. Rabbi Shua Hananya was able to figure out the same thing that this Roman philosopher saw, but he could figure out from the Torah. So there was an objective reality that was observed, number one. Now, as anyone who uh, studied the gestation period of snakes knows, um, many snakes have different gestation periods. There are snakes that have a gestation period of seven years. Some have three years, some have 15 years. From the time, uh, now, that's number one. So... Nochush, so the, not all snakes have the same gestation period. So they have different ones. There's there a snake a, that has a gestation period of 7 and 15 years? It, yeah, yeah, definitely. You see, now, there's a very, as I point out in my book, there's not a, a 100% agreement about scientists what it is. Some say that the sperm just waits there until it's impregnated. Some say it's impregnated and is dormant for a while. Yes, but gestation period of snakes it can vary from three to around 15 years. And so the fact that, and there are specific snakes that do have a gestation period of seven years. What the Nochash was, the Nochash is a reptile. Which of the multitude reptiles in the world? That is, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. But Shrebuchananya knew the Nochash was a certain specific type of snake, or some reptile, a snake. Now, there are snakes of seven years, as I point out in my book, but the gestation period of snakes does have many years, and there are two different theories how it works. That's, uh, that is, and so therefore there's nothing very surprising in the fact that 
uh, Rav Shobhan Hananya said seven years, but he said it in a parallel way to someone who absolutely actually observed it. So, Rav Moiselman, in the Marnevuchim in, in Gimel Yudalid, and, and I, I believe you addressed this also in Yosefa, says that Chazal, what they say res- respecting astr- astronomical bodies, it comes from observation. He writes, because mathematics was not fully developed in those days. I'm, I'm reading a translation. I could read it in either Arabic yeah, or Hebrew. I address that in my book. And their statements were not based upon the authority of the Nevi'im. It is in the knowledge that they either themselves possessed or derived from contemporary men of science. So the Rambam in the Moira clearly seems to say that Chazal just used the best science no, that they had no, at hand. Okay, let's say, what, let's understand exactly what the Rambam says there and what the Rambam in a similar way in he says they didn't get it from the Nevi'im. He says the Torah at one point had the complete knowledge of astronomical bodies. And that was lost by Meshach Hazman. In the area, or in certain areas, they had to do the best they could because the knowledge was lost. He says they didn't get it from the Nevi'im. In, in the Yad HaChazak, he says, at the times in the VM, they knew completely. The Torah has the complete knowledge of the world. He's talking about the astronomical bodies. He's not talking yeah, about... Yeah, I know. Like I know exactly. Okay. Said. And he's limiting himself to one specific thing about astronomical bodies. And he said, and therefore, that is something they did not have for Messiah. And it was lost. He says the Nevi'im did have it. He says in Mar-Nevuch, the Nevi'im had it. He says in Yelchazaka, the Nevi'im had it. He says that was lost, and therefore they had to do but there's another important thing to notice in the Rambam, and that is there's a major machlokus between the Rambam and the Ramban about our calendar, our 19-year-old calendar, a 19-year calendar. According to the Rambam, it's Allah Lamoshim According to the Ramban, it was something Chazal made at Takana. But according to the Rambam, it's Allah Lamoshim Just remember, it was when it was put in effect in the fourth century. We are the only calendar that that has has not had to correct itself. All the other calendars have had to correct themselves. Yeah, I, I understand that. And the only calendar that is continually going from ancient times that has not had to correct itself. And 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 the the, the Barbanel, by the way, in uh, in uh, when he quotes the Rambam, he brings actually a medrash, but it's also in reference just to the you know astronomical bodies. So so astronomy would be the exception, and medicine would be the exception. Medicine is practical knowledge, and that that is the Rajba makes the Rajba is one of the strongest people saying Chazal don't make a mistake, but Chazal say is definitive, and the Rajba says. That despite the fact that everything Hazal say is Tereshavopet, their medical advice is practical knowledge that was taken from what was taught available. What about the Gemara Lamashal that says that there's a mouse, that there's a spontaneously generating mouse, Rabami? How do you understand that? Gemara never says there's a spontaneous generating mouse. Gemara at the end of Masech the Sanhedrin. I discussed that in the book. The Gemara never said that anything. Gemara says that there was a kofer who came to him. And the Gemara, throughout that entire Gemara, says, you answer kofer within his own worldview. And within his own worldview, he says, since you believe in a spontaneous generating mouse, that itself is the answer to your question. Gemara throughout, and Chazal throughout, would always answer kofer within their own worldview.
And that Gemara, that whole Gemara is full of ants and Kofram within their own worldview. He, Ravami never said it existed. Why is there the need to impose upon Chazal, who were the Chachmaya MS and, and they know Kolshvile Raisa, they, the moral statues, the reason for creation, why would they be interested in how a mouse procreates? Why do we want no, to no, put no, on no, them no, an ill fitting no, no, no. suit? Like, why would we want to make no, biologists and scientists? A doctor, a doctor, a biologist, a doctor, a Like, what do I need this for? But Torah is very vast and Torah is very great. There are two, there's the Gemara, there's the Mishnah in Chulun and the Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Mishnah in the Gemara in Sanhedrin is talking about how to deal with the Kofor to answer him in his own terms. That's all it is. It was a widely believed, there was a wide belief in the ancient world that such a thing existed. Chazal did talk about if such a thing did exist, what would the Hilchus Tum of Atara be? About a half mud, half mud, half, um, half mouth. They had, Chazal gave halachas for everything that might exist and might not exist. As Tyson and Shabbos points out, they gave halachas of things that couldn't exist because they wanted to give you a full logical structure of what Torah is. Chazal weren't biologists. Chazal were not astronomers. Chazal, what they understood is for Torah. And if for some reason, in the infinite wisdom of Chazal, they decided to put certain things into Shas, they understood there's a necessity of doing it, and that reflected Torah. Because Torah is the, all the knowledge of the world that we can get is in the Torah. Rabbi Meiselman, I thank you very much, and I, and I want to say that it took great courage to tackle such a thorny and difficult issue. Okay, Kultuf. Thank you, Kultuf. So, listening to Rabbi Meiselman, where he says that... Um, you know, everything is Torah Shalal Pen, it's absolute. So the, the question is, how much is it? He says, Zayin Shanim. So Rabbi Meiselman says, it's Zayin Shanim. That's what the Gemara says. Now, if you Google it, you'll see it's not the case. Rabbi Meiselman would probably answer, I'm assuming. There is a case, we'll put it up online, of this creature, I don't know what it is, but some type, some type of creature that does hold its sperm for seven years, and you would say the Gemara could be referring to that. You know, it's not the Pasha Sashina Gemara, but that's how he would say. What would Rabbi David Cohn say? He would say, it's a metaphor. What does it mean? It's a metaphor. The Zayar says, there's the Zion, the seven paths of the Sitra, how he gets to you. The Zion, you know, there are certainly seven paths that take us, to, could take us the wrong way. So it's, it's talking, Sayyidis Atayra, when he says, Zion Nachash, we all know, you know, talks about the Nachash Akadmaini. So it's talking about, you know, evil. The evil one, that voice in our head, that bad friend, whatever the case may be, that uh, today is the, uh, it's Instagram, whatever it may be. Whatever the Nachash represents has Zion Drachim. That's what he would learn. And Remendel Shafran would say, listen, or, or for that matter, Rabbi Saklamparanti, those Sodom would say, that was the science for those days. So we have three different paths how to go about this, all fascinating and all very current. The only other comment on Rabbi Meiselman's interview, and by the way, we don't do, you can't do an 800-page book, you know, meticulously research justice in a 15-minute interview, but I would just add on one hara. He says that everything that's brought in the Gemara is halacha psuka. I would ask the following question in retrospect. You know, halacha psuka is a very strong word. For example, the Paiskim talk about it's a rajba and a rajbats and has very negeel halacha. If there's a machlekes in the Gemara and we go, let's say, l'vodas harabim, we could be saimachan. This is how the Ramah paskins, b'shasat chak, 
um, on the Das Yachid, that his, his opinion is in battle. When do we say we cannot be Shasat Chak on that opinion? Do you need a Shasat Do you need Shasat Chak and Hefzid Maruba or not, etc.? Um, when do we, the only time we cannot, if the Gemara says, if Sikha Halacha Kamaisai, when it's, Gemara says, if Sikha Halacha, then the other side is Batal. So it's a, it's a very high barrier when we say, this is the Halacha, this is absolute, right? So when we say that everything about science is, if Sikha Halacha, it's absolute, and there is no other opinion, and if you say against it, it's like a Kaifin Tarashal Peh. Really, is every random story, like Kamimei Burish Halachash, or a mermaid, or it's like they sat and they passed in the Halacha? That's a Chiddush to me, to say that every random story in the Gemara is, is if Sikha Halacha. It's certainly doesn't seem that way from the Paiskin, but you have to have to have a positive. And if they don't say if Allah, it just leaves the question. And if we go Basarava Mahatis, it still doesn't lie. But why would science on these matters rise to that level of if Allah? That would be the question that I did not ask and still I think that question is an open question. Let's go to our next guest. Joining us from California is Dr. Chaim Presby. He is a scientist. He has a PhD from the Belford School of Science. He was a researcher at Columbia University, a scientist and a, a staff leader at Bell Labs Phototonics Units. He has 180 papers published, 200 patents. He also is unique. He's also a rabbi doctor. He gives seven Torah classes a week. He's a lecturer for gateways on topics of science and religion. Welcome, Dr. Presby, Rabbi Dr. Presby. Thank you very, very much. My pleasure to be with you. So, Dr. Presby, do you see in science anything that would inspire Emuna and Betachen and the fact that there is a Bayerielam and a Manigakoyal? Yeah, uh, that, that's a great question. And uh, I feel very, very strongly about it. And I certainly do. You know, let's just start a little bit. I think, you know, we're all aware of the famous Rambam where the Rambam brings with regards to the mitzvah of Avas and Yeras Hashem. The Rambam asks, how can one achieve this? And uh, the Rambam points out in his Mishnah Torah that by studying the wonders of Kutubrichu's creation, the individual can arrive at an attainment of both Avas and Yeras Hashem. And, uh, you know, just to quote from the Rambam when he asks, what's the path? towards an attainment of love and fear of Kutubrihu, and he says, through sincere reflection upon the wonders of the universe, uh, we come to recognize the infinite wisdom of the Creator. And as science uh, progresses and as science uh, reveals more and more about the world, about the universe, I feel that looking at those items just brings us with such a feeling of awe of Kutubrihu uh, of and his presence in the world. And there are just so many areas that can add to our emunah and our fear feel of, uh, of Yerushalayim that can come through science itself. You know, I, I think we're aware, too, that the Rambam even spells out how Abraham Avinu came to his recognition of HaKadosh Baruch Hu through a uh, survey of, uh, of physical creation. And what we're presented with today are just so many opportunities in this area. Can give us a few examples, Dr. Presby. Yeah, oh, oh, I'd love to. Uh, you know, probably uh, one, one of the biggest areas is one in cosmology, right? Cosmology is the study of the universe, our place in the universe, and, you know, the various components of, of the universe. And uh, cosmology uh, 
gives us a picture that is so absolutely amazing. You know, it wasn't uh, till that long ago when the universe was considered to be just uh, what one looked up and saw in the sky within our own galaxy uh, called the Milky Way, and that was it. Uh, there was an individual called Hubble, and that's who the Hubble telescope is named after, who said that, you know what, some of those smidges of light that we see up there aren't just stars in our own galaxy, but there are other galaxies there uh, out in the universe. And uh, the picture that we now have is that the universe is composed of probably on the order of a trillion galaxies. And just to get a feel for that and the uh, immensity of it, the next closest galaxy to us is Andromeda Galaxy. And Andromeda Galaxy is something like two and a half million light years away. Uh, just briefly for someone who doesn't understand a light year, it's the distance that light travels in one year. And traveling at 186,000 miles per second, that distance is trillions of miles. You know, for example, uh, light in one second can go around planet Earth in uh, seven and a half times. So uh, two and a half million light years is an enormous distance, and that's the closest galaxy. And there are on the order now, we believe, of more than a trillion of them that fill the universe. It's an absolutely mind-boggling expanse that's there. And each of those galaxies is composed of uh, billions, if not hundreds of billions of stars. It's absolutely uh, unreal and amazing and something to truly focus on. Uh, you know, for example, every bracha that we make refers to Kutubrihu as Melecha Olam. And if one asks oneself, what do I have in mind when I say Melecha Olam, what should I have in mind? It's not earth, it's not the world, it's this universe that is so amazingly huge and uh, here we are speaking directly to the creator of it all. It's something that should just fill us with awe and uh, a, a very great feeling of uh, of respect for uh, for the Gore Olam. Uh, and that that's the grand scale of cosmology that you know that I feel can just Olam endless you know world. It's like yeah, absolutely. Give us another yeah. one. Another one if we come down to you know there's a Pasuk in Eov uh, where Eov says the Sari Elokim from my own being, my own flesh, I can recognize Kutchabrihu and the goddess of the Kaddish Parahu and since we're on big numbers, uh, think about it. Our own bodies are composed of something like 100 trillion cells. Each cell of our body has a nucleus. Within that nucleus is the most amazing molecule known to man. It's known as DNA. That DNA is something that determines the workings of every cell, and it has all the information that can create that uh, being and that living entity within which that DNA exists. Uh, so each, it, we're 100 trillion cells, and e in each cell is our DNA, and the DNA itself is made is a string. How, how long is the DNA string? I understand uh, the that DNA it's... The DNA is, uh, is on the order of two meters long, so that, that's not something like five, six feet long. If you took all of the DNA in every cell of our body and unraveled it, 
and put it end to end, it would reach from here to the sun, and the sun is 93 million miles away and back on the order of 100 times. It's absolutely you know, mind-boggling. That DNA molecule is uh, folded in such an ingenious, complex way that it fits into that nucleus. That nucleus is on the order of, well, less than 10 microns, 10 millionths of a meter in diameter, and that DNA fits uh, into that, and from there, all of these instructions are, are given out. It's even more wondrous than that, because the DNA is read, it is opened up and read by another molecule called RNA, which carries those instructions to various places within the cell that uh, will produce proteins and uh, then travel throughout the body to places where, uh, where it's needed. And just thinking about that and how something like that came about and can be done is uh, one of the marvels that science has presented us with and seeing the absolute godless of Kutsubrihu and bringing all of this about. Uh, you know, by the way, science is dumbfounded. Where did DNA come from? How did it originate? It is a molecule that is so rich with information and uh, what did it take to bring it about? And uh, science doesn't know to say that it just happened, it just came about, and if you look at you know standard biology textbooks, uh, you see planet Earth, and you see it sitting uh, immersed in a prebiotic soup, and you turn the page, and there you see DNA coming out of that prebiotic soup, you know, which is a situation of lo hoyo lo nivra, absolutely impossible. In fact, one of the winners of the Nobel Prize for DNA, a Professor Crick said that it's absolutely impossible for this to have come about here in what's claimed through an evolutionary process on planet Earth. And when asked, well, where did it come from? His response is, well, it came from uh, outer space. It came from aliens. It's a theory called panspermia. And uh, this is how far scientists have gone, which is so clear to us and uh, such evidence of the godless of Kuchibrihu. And if you would ask Professor Crick, well, where did those aliens get it from? Well, of course, they got it from other aliens. And where did they get it from? Well, they got it from other aliens as well. You know, it's aliens all the way down. Something that just makes absolutely no sense. I, uh, I, re I heard about how they finally um, read the entire DNA strand of a molecule. And, and how long is, like, how many millions of letters? I, I once read it could go all the way to the top of the Empire State Building and phone books. Oh, like, at, at least. It, it's more than that. It, it's like three, uh, more than three billion uh, codes. That's there. And that's, uh, and that's in each cell. That is in every cell of our body. And if two of the, of the letters get inverted, or three of the letters get inverted, yes. the person, Rahman al can the get the most hideous diseases. Life because in one of his hundred trillion cells, the DNA uh, 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 strand Correct. of numbers got, 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 got changed, yep. two of the numbers. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And science is realizing that more and more today, uh, in fact, the vaccines, you know, that are now you know, uh, around the world for COVID uh, make use of uh, this 
technology and make use of this technique. And we're going to be seeing a lot more of that in terms of you know, medical implementation uh, going forward. It's a, an entirely new approach to, uh, to medication. It makes use of uh, the uh, strands of uh, information to actually generate the uh, resistance to the uh, COVID uh, influence uh, on the cells themselves. One of these scientists tells you, well, over 4 billion years of evolution, they evolved and they evolved and they evolved. And how do you respond? Exactly. I'd say uh, that that is wishful thinking. That is absolute wishful thinking. Uh, Things do not just happen over a long period of time. You could have all the time that you want, but this idea of evolution, of one little change happening leading to another, and uh, evolutionists claim that it happens by random mutations and then natural selection. There has never been an example of a positive mutation. Mutations are all harmful, they're deleterious, they're all negative. uh, There have been programs of the equivalent of billions of years of trying to introduce mutations into uh, fruit flies. And everything that's ever been seen has been dramatically, uh, seriously ill fruit flies with appendages growing out of all parts of their bodies and, and what have you. There has never been a fruit fly that's been uh, ex- that's experienced a positive mutation despite the equivalent of billions of years of, uh, of radiation that certainly should have introduced something if this is the mechanism. But uh, nothing has ever happened. And that is, that is the fallacy with random mutation. It's just a wishful way of thinking and it's just a wishful way of avoiding the presence of the, of the Bore Olam. And that is what this researcher said. What is, what's the alternative? And it's just taken as the alternative to avoid the recognition of, of the Bore Olam, which is just so very, very clear. Uh, in uh, in everything going on in the world. Uh, Before you go, Dr. Perry, tell us one other thing in your experience that has said it was like just a moment of just awe for you. Share another moment of awe. Yeah, I'd like to. Uh, And actually, it's based on a Gemara. There's a Gemara in in Brachos. Uh, And again, it relates to cosmology, but I think it's important for the listeners to hear this because many times people say, oh, you know, uh, the sages and the Talmud and the science of the Talmud, oh, that's ancient, that's old. You know, what did they know? You know, can we trust the science that's there and what have you? Let me me just bring an example that speaks to that and speaks to your question. It's a Gemara in Brachos on the days and the days. The Gemara brings a Pasuk after the Churban, where Klai Yisrael uh, were complaining, Nabi Yishayahu uh, brings that they said, uh, that Klai Yisrael said, HaKadosh Baruch you abandoned us, you left us, uh, look, what, uh, look what you did, look what happened to the Beis HaMikdash, look what happened to Eretz Yisrael. And HaKadosh Baruch responds and says, how can you say that? Look up, look at the stars that I created. I created them all for you. I know each one. And you're saying I forgot you? The Gemara then goes into a calculation 
of the number of stars. And it does it in the way of a military uh, structure. And Kutsubrihu uh, says, I created so many constellations. Within so many the constellations, I created so many brigades. Within each brigade, so many battalions. Within each battalion, so many and so many and so many. When I was giving Shear in this Gemara, I worked through those numbers. And those numbers turn out to be 1.06434 times 10 to the 18th. Now, if one would have done that and recognized that number hundreds of years ago, a thousand years ago, uh, even 50 years ago, one would have said, what? What, what? what did the sages of the Talmud know? Over 10 to the 18th stars? That's crazy. That was a time when people could see with your naked eye, you could see maybe a thousand, two thousand stars with a tiny telescope. Maybe you can see six thousand stars. Ten to the eighteenth. Uh, that number is absolutely enormous. You know, just to bring it home, you know, if listeners are not familiar with large numbers, it's the estimate of the number of leaves on every tree around the world is something like ten to the fourteenth, ten to the fifteenth, and here we have ten to the eighteenth. The uh, Next day, I, I worked with uh, a uh, professor, Bob Wilson and Arno Penzias, who got the Nobel Prize for the Big Bang. And I saw Bob Wilson and I said, Bob, tell me, how many stars are there in the observable universe? And Bob said, Herman, as I'm known at Bell Labs, uh, it's a very famous number. It's 10 to the 18th. I said, Bob, you're close. It's 1.06434 times 10 to the 18th. Bob didn't understand uh, what I said to this day. But that was that, that is such an eye-opener and such an uh, example of, uh, of Misora, of the godless of Chazal, in having current science uh, there revealed to us. And it, it's a revelation. And so one Chas V'Shalom should never cast aspersions on anything that one sees in, in, in the Gemara, uh, in the Talmud, uh, you know, in, in terms of its correctness or in terms of its believability. This, this example stands as a prime example of, uh, of, that, of that knowledge that, that Chazal uh, had. And, and it certainly, for me, was such a uh, revelation of, of this godless, uh, of Kuchibrihu in, uh, in the Bria. Do you ever wonder, Dr. Presley, like, why didn't Chazal like bring you know some more modern medicine, like antibiotics, to the world through their power of of understanding of Mada? Yeah, well, you know, perhaps uh, what was brought were you know items that uh, they estimated were applicable in their times, and not that we understand what those remedies were, you know, what those components were, uh, you know, how they were used, and, 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 uh, and what have you. You know, a question I'm, I'm often asked at, uh, at talks is, well, gee, if Moshe Rabbeinu knew the entire Torah, why didn't he bring an atomic bomb? You know, why didn't he bring cell phones? Why didn't he bring, uh, uh, you know, race cars, you know, or, or what have you? You know, why did he leave it the way it was? And again, what what was brought was what was necessary for that uh, door, that generation. Uh, each generation is different. And uh, what Chazal brought was uh, was for their generation. Yeah, or an atom bomb when the Khurban was, you know, when they were attacking Jerusalem. Why didn't they, like, yeah, yeah, create machine yeah. guns or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. That, that was not that was not called for. Their nisayon was to deal with it in the way that uh, it was to be dealt with. Well, Dr. Presby, thank you very much for your time. Okay, my pleasure. So last week's riddle, B'Kitzah, was that uh, that we say in Shabbos, that something that contributes to its own carrying, of course you're carrying, and the person who you're carrying could weigh 500 pounds, but since he contributes, you don't have the dogma in the, in the, by the Mishkan of something that assisted in its carrying. Where do we learn Haitzah from? Well, one of the cases where we learn Haitzah from is from the Mishkan, is from the Aran. So he asked, what, was the, what do we say about the Aran, the Gemara says? That the Aran was noisei es noisav, those who carried it, it carried. Where do you have a bigger dugum of, of something that assists in its carrying than the Aaron, which is Naisias Naisav? So instead of saying Chai Naisias Atzma, you learn from the Aaron, Punkt that even something that is Naisias Atzma, that is an Isra That was the riddle. So he had a whole bunch of answers, and I'll run through them quickly. Once, many said over the desk, Kenum Balei Taisfi says, Parikhafei Pasukit Aleph. He says, it was only noisiest noisive at certain times. Like it went over, the, the Yardin was noisiest noisive, but most of the times it was not noisiest noisive. And when they, since they carried it, even when it was not noisiest noisive, that's where you learn Haitzah from. But the question is, by Uza, what does it say by Uza? He grabbed the Aran, this is in Shmuel Bays around Zion, or Ches, I don't have a, a farm with me, that he was killed because he grabbed onto the Aran not to, to, not to allow it to fall. So the question is, according to the Daskein and Balei Taisvis, what was it a tight on Uza? How was he supposed to know that at this moment it, it, it didn't need to be carried? Maybe this was one of the moments it did need to be carried, like most of the times. So from that, you would have a right, Lachar, that the Daskein Svar is, is, is a very difficult Svar. Some said over from the Chsam Saifa in Shabbos of Tzadik Beis, he says it was only the Luchais that was nice, yes, nice of. But the Aaron that had the Shivre, the Luchais in them was not nice, yes, nice of. No Rai says it's from Asfara. The problem with it is, I mean, Ramban in Parshas Ekif, right, on the Pasik Vasisalacha Aaron eights, he says that the Divir Rabbi Yehuda Bariloi that the Yerushalmi brings says that there were two Aaronis. So the Ramban says it's a Das Yachid, Vidas Rabbi Seinu Bechol Mokayim Bitalmud Enekein. Okay, there is such a das yachid that there were two Arainus and the other Aaron was not. But according to all the other Rabbi Seinu, Enei Cain, according to them, how did they learn Haitzah from the Aaron? If the Aaron was nice, yes, nice. If it's Rav Shittis, so according to that, according to Rav Shittis, if you say the Chai is not nice, yes, that's my, that would be the problem with the Chsam Saifas Teretz. Some said, a very Kishrindika thing, but beautiful, some said a Svara, that for the Aaron to be nice, yes, nice, first they had to pick it up. After they picked it up, then it was nice, yes, nice. So, even if you say such a thing, so on Shabbos you should be pata. Why? Because there was an Akira Bechiev, but the whole Haitzah and the Hanachas were Ptur. Because the Akira was all you did the nice Aaron. The rest of the Malacha was done by the Aaron Atzmai. So, it's not a seer of a Malacha that you chive on. Why? How could you learn Haitzah from the Aaron? It's a very good Ha'ara and a very, and a Kishr in the Kitaritz. Some said that since it was all Pines, so. We can't learn from the Achayna Isi I don't understand this tarot. It's Manashach. If you're saying the Aaron is Alpines and you can't learn Chayna Isi but you shouldn't be able to learn Haitzah from there, that's, that's for sure. A seer of something that's carrying itself Alpines, how could you learn Haitzah? Da'i love him and Adin, Lias Kinedin. You can't learn where, where something gets not Naisi you should be Chayi for. That's, that's a very Shvera tarot. Rav Shmuel Wertzberger, I don't know who he is, but he's the Spiktal Mulchachem who sends us to Rutzim. He said that, uh, he bring, he's from Rebel Yashiv in Shabbos in Madur Tafshin Pei, that it was covered with three Kisuyim when they carried it. Preiches for for And they were not carried by when it was nice, yes, nice, but not the, the 
the begadim of the Aaron Azai. So he says, so the Alfusa is not from the Aaron, but it's only from the, from the, from the Kisuyim that are on the Aaron. So, I mean, there's a lot of chidushim here. First, the chidush is, is that it didn't carry, Dar didn't go to Begadim that was on it. Be'ez the limudim is from the kisuyim. It doesn't say that any place in the Gemara when it says we learn from the Arun, it doesn't say from the kisuyim. And Gimel, and I think Rabbi Yashiba learns this, is that if you carry a chai b'chutz, even if he's dressed in, you know, six fur coats and three Cossack hats, what's the halacha? He's still potter. I, the hats and the, and the begadim, you know, is not chai. Teret says, what does the Gemara say? The mita tfeilaloi, the, the begadim at He says, only the mita and the begadim of a person is tfeilaloi. But by the aron, it wouldn't be tfeilaloi because it was chashev. I don't know. If somebody, again, if somebody would be wearing a, a fancy fur coat with diamond buttons, would you say you can't be, you can't carry out such a person on Shabbos? It's such a svar, such a Halach is not seen anyway, so Chayrus is also a Chiddush. So I think it's a Shvera Teretz. I heard from two Chashiva Rosh Hashivas, both Talmud HaCham Gedalim, said the same thing. Their Teretz was, they said that Aaron Noisius Noisim is not a Lamaisa. It's, it's a mushal, it's a metaphor. And they said in, it's a, like a Musadika thing that if a person is involved with something that is really special and transcends them, like Noisius Aaron, so you know what? You think you're carrying it, it's carrying you. But it's a metaphor. In other words, if you if you ever see people that they they're exhausted in this, and somebody says, "Did you hear so and so? We have to help them." And suddenly they jump off the couch and they're running and they're calling it. When we get involved in something that's bigger than us, it carries us. Something very musadik, beautiful about it. In other words, if you're exhausted, you're all out of energy. You know what you do? Go do something really important and big. Do something really hard and big, and the aron will be nicest, nicest. So they said it was really more of a muscle, but I thought that it was it was full carrying. I think it's a beautiful svara, but I have Ryanishta. So again, when you go back to the story of Uza, where the aron was slipping off the wagon, he grabbed it. So he died. So Rashi says, he brings from a, it's a Chazal, he should have made a Kaval If it carries those who carry it, it certainly carries itself. In which case it means it wouldn't have fallen. So if it's just a mushal, so then Uzzah should have been punished for carrying it. Rashi says that it would have fallen, clearly Rashi says. If it's just a mushal, it, it, it would have fallen and Uzzah shouldn't have been punished. So, my dear listeners, I hate that this, I shouldn't say that this is, you know, when I used to go into Reb Nachum and I would ask him questions, I would say half the time he would just look at me and say, Tzarechian. We don't do it half the time here, we do it fair amount. So I just say to me right now, this Shiloh of lives with the Tzarechian. We've listed like seven or eight to Rutzim, but I think the, the right answer is Tzarechian.